0: I'm Tobin Heath, two-time World Cup winner. And I'm Kristen Press, two-time World Cup winner. (laughs) And this is The Recap Show. This is the first time we'll be watching the World Cup in over a decade. We know we're not alone with how we feel about the way people talk about women's sports. We want to be part of the solution.
1: Having been there many times before ourselves, Tobin and I are going to bring to you what it's like to play in a World Cup, what's really happening behind the scenes, all the good juicy bits. The Recap Show will
0: bring you gal culture at its finest. We all know what bro culture is, but what is gal culture? Here to define it. This is our narrative, our culture, and we get to tell it our way. Welcome to The Recap. Welcome to the show. LFG. Welcome to episode two of The Recap Show. To everyone who watched episode one, thank you so much. I can promise you it's only going to get better. As always, let's start with the sports. The World Cup has officially kicked off and so far nine matches have been played. America took on Vietnam and took care of business. The tournament is just getting started and so are we. Today, Kristen and I are joined by the legendary coach, Laura Harvey. But first, Tobin, stop things. The worked up about thing. Everybody's worked up about the fact that the US Women's Team didn't score 50 goals. Look, they got the job done. They scored three goals. In my opinion, the media is gonna say, oh, they didn't score goals, oh, it's not like the Thailand game, oh, this, oh, that, but if you're, in the locker room with the U.S. Women's National Team right now. They're saying thank you next. The threads thing. So I don't know if it's the middle of the night or the fact that I'm watching these games by myself, but I've found that I've taken to threads. And one thread that became quite controversial was, was a comment I made about Canada. Look, I don't love Canada or hate them. The fact is They played in the Olympics and they didn't score a legitimate non-penalty goal in either the semifinal or the final. Those are just the facts. The little big things. Look, Alex Morgan, she doesn't miss a lot of penalty kicks. She missed a penalty kick. It wasn't a great penalty kick. But what I saw, which I think is the big thing, who was first to that ball after she missed? It was two Vietnamese players. Where were we? We train things like that, that's a mentality, that's a focus. There's no reason why the US Women's Dash team shouldn't have been first to that second ball. The algorithm thing. I'm not a social media person, but I do love my Instagram Explorer page. It's it's filled with things like architecture and art and these beautiful pictures of waves. And now hosting this World Cup show, my Instagram is flooded with soccer and gays. I kinda like it. The biggest winner thing. Look, the results have been the results, but for me, the biggest winners in the tournament so far have been New Zealand, Vietnam, the Nigerian goalkeeper, Haiti, and my favorite, Sophia Smith. The so many dudes thing. I'm watching the World Cup for the first time in a while and I'm shocked by how many dudes are in the broadcast. Oh, now men wanna talk about women? How convenient. For
1: those of you that watched episode one, you saw me crush Tobin in the daily debate. Sorry about that. Um, and so today we're going to give her a break. We are <laughs> going to cut her a little slack, and instead of having a daily debate, we're going to have our daily discussion. Tobin, what would you like to talk about? Um, how about we talk about you? I love talking about me. <laughs>
0: I'm serious. <laughs> I know it's a, a weird question that people don't usually like to get. Well, I hate when people ask me this, but I have a feeling that you might like this question. How okay. are you feeling? How am I feeling? Yeah.
1: How are you doing?
0: I Obviously, I had
1: surgery on Tuesday, so I'm a couple days post-op, <laughs> as you know. Um, so it's been a week of highs and lows and, and all the things, and I'm glad my
0: my post-surgical brain fog is subsiding. And speaking of posts, you recently put up something on Instagram that I think was deeply personal to you. Can you talk me through it?
1: Yeah, so I think that I see myself as very um, in tune with my emotions, and also I see myself as very honest. I've, I've always felt like I have a very close relationship with the people that have supported me, fans, community, my family. Um, but I was recently learning about this concept that people have where you kind of tell your life as like a novel. And you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you wait until you have a conclusion, until you've tied it up, until you've learned the lesson. And then you talk about the hard times that you like went through. And um, it's sort of the Instagram filter, like, of life, um, where you don't actually talk about how you're doing when you're not doing well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something they talk about on uh, the We Can Do Hard Things podcast. They coined (laughs) it, uh, my favorite podcast, they coined it uh, the messy middle. And I then went back and I looked at what I had posted. And every single time I had waited until I was a a couple weeks out from return. I didn't mean to do that. It's just sort of the natural way that we tell our stories. And I obviously had the hard news that I was going to have a fourth surgery. which is unfathomable in an ACL (laughs) recovery. Like, I think I'm literally one of one of people who've had four surgeries in 13 months on my knee, um, one ACL repair, three scopes. And I wanted to tell people how I was doing while I was doing it. So I actually wrote that maybe two nights after we decided I was going to have the surgery. Um, And I posted it two days before I had surgery. Um, So I thought it was just like, uh, a, a new perspective to say like I have to have surgery I'm sharing that I have to have surgery not that I had a successful surgery mm-hmm. and just give a little bit of the raw emotion of like what that was like like literally it was like a couple days after we came from the doctor's office and we were like trying to process yeah how this could possibly be um, and the hardest thing about the news was really just like the feeling of insanity. Like, how do we keep having a, a, a scope? Like, how do we keep doing the same thing and expect a different result? And, like, the fear that starts to sink in of well, is this just gonna happen again? Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I don't know if this is what you think, but like, I think I've been like incredibly optimistic. (laughs) I think I've been hopeful. Like I never doubted my surgeon, my PT, my team, like nothing, like I believe every single time that I'm gonna have the best outcome to the point where like now I'm like, I think I might be naive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like it's like too optimistic, but um, that's like how I have to go into surgery to get through it. For you, kind of like you said, getting to the like kind of towards the peak and then having coming, having then to come back down to a valley and having to do that a couple times now, like how do you do that?
1: Yeah, I think that like the hardest part of this recovery for me, which is like not uncommon, is like dealing with what everybody else thinks. Honestly, you and I are getting, like trying to get used to this world where we put a social media post and that becomes news. Like that's still weird to me, (laughs) Um, but it's like, I do it because I want to control my narrative. Yeah. And even though that's why I'm doing it, I don't get to control the narrative. So I put out this piece and the whole my whole thing that I wanted to write was like from the outside world this looks like a recovery nightmare, but I believe that I am living the dream because climbing the mountain is the dream. Yeah. You know, and that like, yeah. was really important to me to say. Yeah. And like I did see a headline people magazine picked it up and said Kristen Press says she's going through the recovery nightmare. And I was like, literally, you read the piece and took exactly what I was trying to say it wasn't and flipped my words on my head. And like, the truth is, don't you think more people read People Magazine than my Instagram?
0: (laughs) Well, hopefully uh, people will watch this show more because I think this is what needs to be seen and this is what needs to be heard because this is why we're doing this show. Welcome back. We are so excited to have the amazing Laura Harvey. Welcome. Um, Yay. And now Kristen has the fun part of making Laura feel extremely uncomfortable. This
1: is the hard part. Um, Laura Kate Harvey is the current manager of the OL Reign. She's previously managed the U.S. Women's National Under-20 team, the Utah Royals, where she coached me, um, Birmingham City, and Arsenal. From 2005 to 2011, Laura served as an assistant coach for the England women's national team at the U17, U19, and U23 levels. In 2011, Laura was named the FAWSL Coach of the Year after guiding Arsenal to the League Cup, FA Cup, and Continental Cup Championship. Laura has also been named NWSL Coach of the Year in 2014, 15, and 2021, while also serving as an assistant coach on the U.S. Women's national team. And it goes without saying, but we want to say it anyway, Laura is one of the most respected and admired coach in the games, and we are so honored to have you on our show. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. Wow fire resume um really really cool to see that um curious what happened between 2015 coach of the year and 2021 yeah, it was tough. <laughs> a little bit of a gap yeah, yeah. Tough uh,
1: <laughs> it was the utah royal <laughs> that's what happened
0: um but no we're really excited about this um we like to start off with the question that i think kind of gets us going because this is the world cup mm-hmm. um we all have kind of like a, a close tie to the U.S. Women's Ash team, right? Yep. But we are talking about the global thing of the World Cup. But right now I want to ask you, um, what was your first experience with the U.S. Women's Ash team? Ooh.
2: Well, <laughs> That's I what came... everybody
0: does. They, like, do a big Ooh, You have to, like, <laughs> think back, you know.
2: <laughs> so when it was the 99 World Cup, uh-huh. after that, I think after that, I came out and did um, – Summer camps in 2000. Yeah, and was actually in That's the Bay Area. very American, area.
0: right? Summer camps.
2: Oh yeah, it's very English for people to do it and oh, go. Let's right. go and live in a cool place. Yeah, for three months and get paid. Yeah. So I was in, I was in Northern California, Southern California, and I went to one of the uh, Woosa games, mm-hmm. and Brandy Chastain was playing, Way and um, <laughs> the crowd was huge, and everyone was going nuts. Wow. And I was like. Who is this (laughs) person? Had no idea because Kelly Smith was playing, so I was like, "Oh no, Kelly!" Yeah, but I didn't know. And then from there, it sort of evolved, and then obviously came over in twenty thirteen and got to coach some of the players. Pino, Hope, and Arod were on the the rain at that time. So
0: yeah, wow. Well, that what? was go ahead. Well, that was actually not the rain though. That was was that the Seattle Sounders version no, of the rain? No, it was the rain. It was the rain. It it was was the rain. Seattle rain. The first year of Seattle, the rain. Now it's the OL. We rain. were
2: allocated <laughs> Hope, Pino, and Arod. Arod was pregnant. Oh wow. Hope broke a wrist.
0: Oh
1: wow.
2: And Pino played for Leon. so they didn't play for us. There you go. But. <laughs> they were on our team so
1: was that the first Good year of the league first league year of the oh, league oh yeah. you're no g wow. mm-hmm. and what about the american game attracted you what made, made you want to come over
2: i think again like coming over and seeing just that when i was like 20
1: mm-hmm.
2: and being like wow because at the time in england you know no one was interested in watching the games we played on terrible facilities mm-hmm. we i mean there wasn't even stadiums really at that time Um, And just knowing that everyone was, well, you felt everyone was so invested in the game at a much higher level than back home. Yeah. And my brother actually lived out in L.A., so got to come and visit him quite a lot. And you could just see that there was still this love for the game that was way, I just felt like it was way higher than it was back home at the time for the women's game. Yeah. And then just randomly got a phone call and was like, "Okay, sounds
0: great. (laughs) Let's do it. i actually thought i was coming to coach seattle sanders
2: but i (laughs) wasn't so i tell this story a lot yeah
0: there's probably like a really like if somebody was doing the history of of that team it would be tough yeah Um, but laura would be a big part of it they would start like like the number one answer laura harvey (laughs) Um, so when we were talking about like the the amazing guests we wanted to have on the show like the first thing that i said to kristen was i want laura harvey on the show (laughs) and there's two reasons for that one you are a loved coach, like an absolute loved coach in the league, um, which I think is extraordinary. And the second thing is your football brain is unmatched. Um, I had heard this, I'll I'll give a story, like I'll I'll start with the story. I remember you came in, and I don't know what year this was. You probably know. Like, the first time you kind of came in with the U.S. Women's Nash team, and I don't know if you were observing or mm-hmm. if you were uh, an assistant coach at that time. Like, I feel like sometimes those things yeah. get a little weird. But, like, you, you put on the the, the shirt, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're, you're part of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was in this practice, and, you know, Laura Harvey such a great name in our game, and, like, I see you on the sidelines. And I remember I wanted to impress you. <laughs> like, I wanted – you to think I was a good player. So here I am like pulling out all my stops, all the things that make me great, you know? And it was like such a bizarre thing, right? I'm like, like, why do I care if this coach likes me or not, or if she thinks that I'm a good player? And I think that's like the level of respect that you have in our game. How would you define your coaching style? Yeah, I think one of the things that
2: I've always believed in is that people who play for the team that I'm working for or I'm the head coach, whatever, should really want to be part of it. Yeah. So creating an environment that people really want to be part of and that can be goal-driven and it or it can be environment-driven, culture-driven. Um, and I think one of the things I learned really early in my career, and it was when I took the Arsenal job and became head coach, was probably the time where I appreciated it the most, was like I was following this historical coach who was – so successful and he was completely different to me just in terms of personality and yeah. the way that he coached in the way that he acted and I was like wow I need to be like him so so try tried to take on this personality that I'm just not and the players called me out and went what are you doing like we want you to be the coach because of who you are yeah so that sort of state just stuck with me so obviously coming over to the states I was like you know, oof, big names, <laughs> big, big names, personalities. Got personalities. <laughs> some big names, names, big <laughs> yeah, big names, big personalities, and I'll always remember my first conversation with Hope over the phone, Yeah, and I said it to all of the players that we had, you know, do you want to play for us? And she just went, what? And I was like, do you want to play for the team? She went, no one has ever asked me that. Wow. And I was just like, well, <laughs> to me, that's like super foreign. Like, if you don't want to, yeah. that's cool. Like, I'm not going to take it personal. We're not going to fall out. But yeah. Like I just want people to you be. You probably part weren't of it. Um,
0: um, like aware of the the stipulations in the end. Of this <laughs> exactly. <yet>. Yeah. I <laughs> totally wasn't, and I was like really taken aback. I just remember just it stuck with me forever.
2: Of like, how has someone never asked that person yeah. that before? You know, and I think the human part of players, um, I truly believe you've got to live into that. Like they're people first and foremost. Yeah. And They have a lot of things going on that make them who they are, that enable them to be able to play. And if you try and make everybody the same, I just don't believe that that's gonna be the most successful thing. I think there's things that we have to sort of buy into naturally. Yeah. But I try to just create an environment where people can be who they are, so.
1: Yeah, and I mean, but it's like a basic fundamental thing that you just, it it showed respect that you just asked Mm. what a player wanted. And as players, and especially like in the past generation, that's like un- unknown to us, mm-hmm. like that anyone would care how we felt. Yeah. Um, and that's just like a fundamental shift from and a difference from most of our experience as professionals. And I think that's built such a level of trust between you and your players. Um, and I I recall actually in particular, you in the exact way that you described yourself. Um, it, it, in the Olympics, when I was having a very hard time um, understanding my role, understanding what was expected of me, <clears throat> as like i i think i texted you like every day like can we have a meeting like because i because i trusted that you would be okay with the the realities of my humanity right mm-hmm. and in in the national team you pretty much try to like squash down your your humanity and be a superhero and you're good all the time and you were the first person ever in that space that i thought i could be honest with mm-hmm. that i was having a hard time or that i didn't feel valued and i would go to you just to hear like what you thought what your perspective was and just to kind of be heard yeah um and and I think you do an incredible job with with players and I think it's really interesting that you say like everyone's different um kind of like talk about your leadership style like how do you know how to treat different players how do you meet people where they are
2: I think one of the things that I've sort of tried to do over the years, and I'm getting a little bit older now, so I'm, there's definitely a separation Is some of the things that the younger ones do, where I'm like, oh, that's wild. Um, is I think one of the things that's helped me is I have been close in age with a lot of players that I've coached, yeah. right? And that initially is quite daunting, but I think it's helped me because we can relate on levels. Mm-hmm. And like I remember back in Utah, we used to have this breakfast room where people would come in and eat breakfast, right? And I would... Purposely put myself in, <laughs> so that I knew what we everyone was talking about. Like, yeah. what TV shows everyone watching? What happened the day before? So we could like relate. Yeah, on but levels. Ha-
0: but normally, like when you go into a meal room and you see the coach, you're just like you like just stop talking, right? And you <laughs> you're like I can't speak. Yeah, but like there's something about like when you're in the room, like everybody's like oh like carry yeah. on, and I I don't know what it is, but that, that's a big thing for me. And mm. I, and the rain. We
2: don't really have that sort of meal room, <laughs> but I think just being around the players and seeing what they're going through, you'll get a vibe of like, oh, someone's a bit off today, and mm. I wonder why. Like, mm. and it's not that I need to know why, but just understanding that they are can be an an element of if one of the coaches wants to get after them, I can go and just give them a minute. They're mm-hmm. okay, don't worry. they will be okay. They'll yeah. be okay in a minute, you know. Yeah. And I think that that's helped me. I think. Being a woman in the space helps too, but to be able to make that connection too, and yeah. I think that's my lead. I think that's my leadership style is I just want to try and create an environment where players feel comfortable enough to have an honest conversation with me. Um, and sometimes they're really difficult, and sometimes it's challenging because they don't want to hear what maybe I'm going to have to say. Mm-hmm. But I think trying to create a rapport with people where you can have that is is something that I. I think is really important.
0: Yeah, and we talk about like you, like this is kind of like your connection to your players, like as people and as whole people.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
0: like obviously one part of this is a big factor. Yeah. And now like, let's talk about you kind of as coach lore because yeah. I feel like this is where I get really excited. Yeah, she's looking like, at like really me nice, like we can have great conversation. <laughs> that's actually what looked over. It's like, uh, she, 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 we're going to talk her now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um yeah, like, cause for me, I'm like, yeah, coach, like, is nice, like, really good vibes or whatever. Like, let's get into the football because yeah. that's what I care about. um I always am kind of like, I either like really like a coach like as a person or I'm indifferent to them. But the only thing that kind of matters for me is like the respect I have for them, like as like a tactician and like a mm-hmm. and as person that like puts out a team to win, right? Yeah. And whether I'm on the field or not, I don't care. Like the winning. Um, For you, you have a very distinct coaching style. Mm -hmm. You are very clear with your tactics. Your training sessions reflect your tactics for games. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not, and you're very collaborative with your players. What I noticed actually one of the things um, that I really valued was the collaboration. We would talk through things and you would want to know, like, and yes, you had a perspective on things, but you would want to know how your players felt. If, if what you wanted was even possible for your players, as opposed to just dictating. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk me through that type of like your kind of coaching philosophies.
2: Yeah, I think I, I'm a tactician. I think that, I do believe that. (laughs) Um, And honestly, for the longest time, I was like, it's the most important thing. Like it's the most important thing it's the x's and o's are what matter and then you know we live through this world of wow you've got to get them to buy in and leadership and and yes i totally believe in that but i think to your point that's just my human nature is what's going to enable me to be a good leader or not yeah but i think what has enabled me to have a a a career a successful career is knowledge is an evolution of knowledge and i think you know honestly going back to 2016 to 2021 let's say I had to evolve mm. myself in a, as a coach and some of that was to take a step back mm. and to go okay what do I really want because Utah was really challenging for me like it was yeah it was tough so I think that that coaching of like okay the tactics of what we need to do I need the players to buy into that and in some places, that was really easy. The yeah. rain it was it was great. it was yeah. easy. We had the players to be able to do that. We didn't have enough of them in Utah to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. and that wasn't the player's fault. I, I totally believe it was mine that I couldn't evolve myself enough at the time to be able to go, "No, we need this to happen. Mm-hmm. We need this to, or whatever it might be." so I'd taken a step away and going and working for u s soccer was huge for me huge yeah. huge yeah um, and in I what think. Way? because it gave me time to step back and it wasn't planned. You know, I think it's the plan was something else, but <laughs> it, it was great to go, okay, well, I'm going to go and learn. I'm going to go and learn from other people. I'm going to be able to see it in a different world yeah. so that I could come back and be the best version of me. And I think what it's enabled me to do is to feel super confident that I can collaborate. Yep. This is what I believe. I think we need to have width this way. I think we need to get height this way. Mm-hmm. I think we need to switch the point of attack this way. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think? And I think what we've been able to do currently with the current group of players that we've got at the rain is everyone is on board with trying to be able to do that. Yeah. And I think, I always say this to the players that I played with at Utah, I was so, I felt so bad when I left because they never got the best version of me. And I think that now I'm a much better version of myself because I feel that my evolution of being a coach, not being me as Laura, but being a coach has gone under under the level because I feel super confident that what we have to do to win is these things. Yeah. Um, And that probably is experience that you have to go
0: through sometimes, which was tough. I mean, that takes so much humility. I know, so you've shared the back, back room. Do you call it a back room like where the coaches go? Like the coaches' The <laughs> coaches' room. You know, like the behind the scenes, I don't yeah. even know what you call it. You shared the back room. I'm just gonna like everybody's gonna be saying it now. The back room. The, <laughs> the back room that's what it is. with um obviously as an assistant to Jill.
2: yeah,
0: Um and then as assistant to um Flacco mm-hmm. um both Yosem's national mm-hmm. team coaches, obviously. What was your process like? Because like you go from a head coach where yeah. you're the decision maker to like being an assistant coach yeah. um, in a different environment, in an international environment, not yeah. not a club environment. What What is it like for you? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that hard? Yeah. Not being able to kind of... It was super challenging,
2: yeah. yeah. And I didn't know that about myself. Uh huh. Because um, I think when I was assistant um, doing that in England, I was young. I was like 26, yeah. 27, whatever. Um, going and doing it again, it was challenging, but actually really rewarding too. Yeah. Um, because I think one of the things that I did in that sort of 2020 period, COVID, you know, when it when everything shut down, I spent a lot of time about learning about myself and, like, my personality traits, just who I am. Yeah. And I worked out, oh, okay, that the way I am and the way that I learn and the way that I function is really different to Flacco or Milan or yeah. Pooley or Wall Street, like, really different. Yeah. So sometimes I might have to... Take a breath. (laughs) Whereas when I'm in charge, well, I can do what I want, you know. So I think that was a real interesting journey for me. Uh And also finding a way where I could be beneficial. Like, how am I going to help you? Like, I'm ultimately here to help you guys as players and you guys as staff to be successful. Like, how can I help? And I think that that was something that you asked yourself all the time. Like, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? help?" Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely, definitely, it's definitely different. Such a different role.
0: Yeah. Um, One, one thing about that is like, I think Kristen just mentioned it. Like you were a big help, especially to her. You know, a lot of the players extremely Mm -hmm. well, having that personal connection, that human connection. Um, Did you feel like you could be helpful in the back room? I keep referring to it as the back room. (laughs) Like, or did you feel like it was like challenging?
2: No, I definitely thought I could be helpful for sure. And I think it's, there's sometimes where you feel like, oh, I could do more, uh-huh. I could do more here, I could help more. But the reality is like, you need to know your role. And I think one of the things that was great in the Olympics was I had a very specific job that I had to do, which was
0: We did it very well. <laughs> and
2: so just having that, like one thing that was the thing that I needed to make sure was taken care of I was like great and then knowing that I could get that right and then be able to be a support mechanism for the staff and the players yeah because you know you guys lived it it was challenging like meal times and that was the only time that we could ever really interact with each other yeah um was crazy right so I think just knowing I had this one specific thing that was definitely the thing I had to take care of um and not just take care of but Know when I needed to go and tell everyone else that right. This is what I think we need to do. Mm-hmm. Knowing when to go and ask you guys what you wanted out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was great. It was actually really rewarding that just knowing that there's this one little thing. And I think that's an assistant's job.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you remember my mantra for penalties at the Olympics? Because I used to say it to you like, "Well, no, we would every single time I would see you." It was. I'm going to do something amazing today.
0: Yeah. You would the, it would oh, be like I was like, really oh, I didn't know it either but
2: we got but we got bought in on the routine, right? Like yeah, the routine nah. was yeah. the, the thing that I tried to get everyone to buy into and that was and I felt like that was Kristen's routine, yeah. like I'm going to do something amazing today. Yeah. And it was really interesting when we would like build out how and who potentially was going to take them. That was a big part of it of like who in the moment in their routines gonna be able to execute what needs to be executed. Yeah, and I think you know,
1: like, it's interesting. I, I would say that I like secretly hoped that I wouldn't be selected. <laughs> like and and like that's like the small, small, you know, I have a big self and a small self. Like my small self was like, just cut me a break. <laughs> I mean, like, but I know the job, you know? And yeah. and I like that's why I made that mantra and I would look at you and I would say it and you would like you know, affirm it. And I was like, we're doing this. And you like, you know, you have to have that relationship and you sometimes you need other people to like pull you from your small self to your big self. And now I look back and that was like probably one of the best stories of my whole career was like going from missing a penalty that we lose. And then- Well, it's funny because
2: I I don't think I knew that. I I knew it, but I hadn't like remembered it (laughs) as that was the, and then someone said it to me maybe the day before and I was like, why are you saying that to me yeah. oh, Like, we're, we're good. Like, we're we're saying so, like something ha- to yeah. me, but something yeah. to me so I just, I will, I just yeah. remember when you were walking up, in my mind, and that it, it's me and AJ. There's yeah. no one else around us. Yeah. Like, there's no one. <laughs> and I, in my mind, I'm just going... If we score this one, we'll win. If we score this oh. one, we'll win. If we score this one, we we'll win. I knew it. And I, I was
1: going, it. I'm going to do something amazing. I'm going to do something amazing. <laughs> you I'm know gonna what? I'm going to do something amazing. <laughs> and I think to myself, I'm like, you're meditative now. You're evolved. <laughs> and I'm just like, boom, boom, boom,
0: yeah. oh. You know but what? Both of you guys are reminding me that, you know, there was some good. Yeah. In the Olympics. Okay. So we're going to take a break and recover a little bit. And there's no better way to recover than with UFOS. And we'll take some questions from our community. Um, Okay, Sherry from Akron, Ohio asks, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be?
1: Hmm. Enjoy the the hard things um, and know that it's all going to be okay. I think really, like we were just talking about it, like understanding that you are where you're supposed to be and things go as they're supposed to go. And you can kind of let your thoughts, those negative thoughts just like float away like a cloud. I think that's what I would have wanted to know, especially teenage Kristen. Woo.
0: I love that. She had a lot of
1: feelings. Okay. <laughs> Anna from Scotland asks, what brand new hobby or skill would you like to have a go at mastering?
0: Um, I think like I've Been a novice surfer for a while, and I think I'd want to get better at it because Kristen always worries about me when I go out surfing.
1: (laughs) Not not your best skill, but you're proficient. Yeah.
0: Um, I love the ocean, um, and I love traveling, so I think it would be awesome to just be a bit better. Well,
1: I think everybody already knows this, but Tobin is, like, skilled at everything. Like, at every extreme sport, every game, every, like, You know, rock, paper, scissors, she's going to win. Like, it's insane. So this is actually a really funny question because you've pretty much mastered anything that could possibly be a game or
0: something you could win. Except the ocean.
1: Yeah, you can't master the ocean.
0: (laughs) Um, Jay from San Diego, California asks, do you have a pregame ritual routine that helps you get in the zone before a big game?
1: Well, I sure do, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gosh, my ritual is like kind of extensive. We probably don't have time um, on this show to go through all the things that I have to do to get ready to play. Um, but I meditate before every game. Um, I listen to a few spiritual songs. Um, you know, we I do some some breathing, some some praying, some visual visualization, um, and I also have a a really long yoga esque activation routine, which is probably the most important. Like I don't think I could play. It's like being plugged in. Like I could not play without my activation. I'm so attached to it and no one is allowed to talk to me during this period. So when I'm doing my activation and my teammates talk to me, I just pretend I don't hear them. Um, And then I've got my post. My post game oh, rituals. <laughs> I think that's good. Thank you, everybody, for submitting your questions. Um, if you would like to submit a question, you can join our re membership. We're taking questions only from our community members, um, our reimaginers. We love you. Um, and if you get your question on the show, we're going to send you a pair of UFOs.
0: Lucky you. Lucky you. And now we're back with Laura. The U.S. Women's Dash team wins in um, 2019. <laughs> big coaching change for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, a big job. We know that, like, there's going to be a lot of changes, a cycle that's picked up. Yeah. Um, you, your resume, I mean, we don't have to read it again. is extraordinary. <laughs> um, you were being considered for the head coaching job. Yeah. Um, and I think it was probably down to you and Flacco in the end. Mm-hmm. Um why do you think you didn't get the job?
2: Um, you know, I, I'm pretty honest. I feel like it was tough to not get it, but I think I had to make a choice at that time of what did I want in my career next, um, and the 20s job just happened to come up in the December of. So I think around November time, maybe October, November, there was the decision made around the around the national team job, and then in the December, the 20s job came up, and I was like. Oh, that might be cool. Because mm-hmm. um, I felt like I just needed to steer my path in a different way at that time. Yeah, and and that was I honestly one of the best decisions I made. Like I absolutely loved working at US Soccer. I thought the twenties was a really good group. Yeah, which we may talk about more. But um, and then just Vlaco was great because I think it says a lot about him too that he was one of the first people that called me when I got the twenties job and said I want you around the team as much as you can be and that says a lot about him like yeah. we knew we were we, it was me and him mm-hmm. we yeah. knew that and he was like you know the team you know the players i know you can help us and you know i was like wow that says a lot cuz not not many people i'm not sure i could have done that yeah you know the other way around so um i was super thankful for that um for, from him um to give me that opportunity and it was weird initially it was it was weird but yeah like I was again like super thankful for it and yeah I, I truly think that it changed the trajectory of my career back
0: to get on the up yeah no it's awesome um I don't want to say that you've been overlooked I think your time is certainly coming mm-hmm. and yeah. um and you also spoke about your time with the U20s and yeah. how special that was because a lot of that core group of players is actually the core group of young players now on this U.S. Women's Ash team. Do you watch those players and are you like super proud? Are there any kind of like stories that you knew at the time when you were coaching them? Like, oh, like this kid's special.
2: Yeah, I mean, Soph, Smith, Trinity and Naomi were part of that 20 group. And one of the things that I'll say about Soph was she was the star and she actually was hurt and hardly played but one of the things that stood out was she was one of those players that loved film, loved learning, loved seeing what other people were able to do to be able to have success. Yeah, And she could play, I think she played 20 minutes in the semifinal yeah. and just, she was liked out. Um, yeah. And then Naomi was, the moment we started playing games, it was like she was a coach. Yeah. On the field. I, I told you this story. Yeah. We would play and we would play against teams who just couldn't compete with the US. The Caribbean nations at the time. and Yeah, typical of the match yeah, that we, we just watched. Low block. Yeah. We, I think they were playing like a 7-3 yeah. or some formation. <laughs> International and football. She's playing centre-back and she comes over to me and she goes, I don't think we need a second centre-back. I think I should be a six. Amazing. And I went, you do.
0: It's Go amazing. for it.
2: What else do we need? And she goes, I think we need width. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need wits too. And I was just like, this kid can play.
0: Yeah. This kid um, knows what she's talking about. Kristen knows really well um, the players that I love. (laughs) Um, I think Sophia Smith is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, She's a cheat. I call her a cheat code. She's a cheat code. Um, I think when I watch the NWSL, um, Kristen's probably in the background somewhere, and I'm literally just like, Gurma, Germa. like it's the little things that she does that are just genius let's talk about this thing called the world cup that's going on um US Women's Ash Team just had their first game we were at a party watching it and um you were paying attention to the game I was not I had to go (laughs) home and rewatch it um you're very good at multitasking which is why you're a phenomenal coach um but what did you see in that game like were there any surprises to you like like talk me through like in your mind what what you were watching
2: uh not so much surprises. I thought, obviously, everyone expected Vietnam to be a low block or mid low block. Um, I thought the movement of the US offensively was good, probably the best it's been for a while. Wow. Um, and the, what what was what exactly? Just the interchange of opposite of like someone coming short, someone going in behind, someone uh-huh. giving width, someone getting into the pocket. Uh-huh. Um, was you could see it's been there was something that they'd worked on right like and the first goal was an example of that Alex coming short and sort of getting behind and then you know obviously it was great to then see Pino and Rose who've obviously obviously (laughs) been hurt um come on your gals yeah Yeah. and just see them connect like oh yeah no time's passed right um I think that was great um Again, Naomi was just steady. I thought Andy was super steady. And in some ways you didn't know Andy was playing, which Skipping. in some ways is yeah. the greatest compliment to her because she just had things ticking over. Yep. Um so yeah, I think overall yeah, I think I didn't see the end stat of shots, but it was
0: like twenty
2: eight. Yeah, I was gonna say it was close to thirty. I think being more ruthless in front of goal is probably the one thing that yeah. come away and go, can we get better at that? But, um, so again, with all the
1: other parts of it. There's, you know, there's, I always think about going into the post-match yeah. meeting mm-hmm. and um, the decision that a coach has to make on how, what perspective do you bring, right? Yeah. Because you can look at every game of football and you can find beauty and you can find catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And so it's always, I'm always, like, excited to see what the coach decides to do yeah. because you can be hypercritical yeah. for purpose you can ignore it and be like my team needs confidence i'm going to show them the best for sure um and you can do everything in between mm-hmm. <laughs> if you were in that post match yep. how, how do you think you would approach it
2: i think we'd probably show the positive and then get into the details of the final third of yeah. like okay if we're in this you know if this space behind the backline, line can we do this if mm-hmm. if the bat line had dropped off what's our what next um and I'm just thinking back to being in that room. I'm, I think that would be probably be the conversation that's happening. Of yeah, can we make sure we end positive because we've won three zero, limited them to pretty much nothing. How can we make sure that continues? Um, but how can we get the finer details better in and around goal? And you know, I even think from when the third goal was scored on, there was multiple times where. Pino had an opportunity. Rose yeah. had the header back post. You know there was a couple more where we could have got a little bit more goals, but yeah. in some ways, one more I think is great. Could be a
0: good thing. Yeah, I could was um, thing. I was like watching the game back a second time, and um, you know traditionally like the the US women's Dash team scores like a couple ga- goals in the first half, and then the second half it, when you know the opposition is fatigued, like we and the game changers come on. Yeah. We hit a whole nother level.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, floodgates. The floodgates open. So obviously, there's a lot of comparisons to the the 2019 opener.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but they scored the, those two goals in the first half, and then they scored a third. Only one goal in the second half. Yeah. Um, and I think we were all kind of like waiting for that to happen, yeah. right? Um, and it didn't feel like it. They ever switched into another gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just like I think there was something there. Right, like in terms of like that that feeling going to the next game because there is that like you you're getting better throughout the tournament, yeah. right? And and you said something like, I wish we were playing Portugal next yeah. because that would be kind of like the next step up, right? Mm-hmm. But we're playing the Netherlands next, so kind of like if you switch off the the Vietnam game and now you're going in to the Netherlands because it's like you know there's not really much you should even talk about other than what's going to be helpful to the next it, game, yeah. So. What are you doing? Any changes you're you're making? Any like do we think that we're going to get a Rose like starting the match? Do You think she's there yet? Um, because like you said, she really made a difference with the cohesion yeah. of the team.
2: I mean, getting thirty minutes is great. You know, thirty for Rose having not played since April. Could she go straight to sixty? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think it would be a it'd be one of those of, do we need a late in the game? Do we need it early in the game? Cause we're yeah. definitely probably not having enough for the whole of it. Um, I actually thought Sav Demello did, did well considering, I mean, first start, <laughs> first in the world cup, it's you a know, lot. it's crazy. It's a lot, so I yeah. think she did, she did well. And I think exactly to your point, I think the biggest thing now is what things can we take out of the Vietnam game that we need to implement into the, to the Holland game and, Watching them will be intriguing to see where they're at. Yeah. Um, obviously new coach, new things mm-hmm. going on, no midfielder, and yeah, see where they're at to then decide. Okay, what things do we need to make sure that we're good at? I think one of the things that we did a good job yesterday. We.
0: No, we, I love that. We Did a good job <laughs> yeah. yesterday.
2: Is that, like, shape behind the ball to make sure that we continually had good countermeasures, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's going to be huge against Holland. Mm-hmm. So. Making sure that that's set up, I think it's going to be crucial. And you know, from a personnel perspective, wouldn't shock me if it was the same. I don't. It wouldn't yeah. shock me. Um, and I looked. There was someone. Someone showed me a photo today of the bench, and I'm just like,
0: <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, it's so good. So I think we would be like silly not to talk about Pino. Yeah, especially with you mm-hmm. um, and how amazing of a career she's had yeah you've played such a significant role in her her club career and and internationally and all those things um what's a pino story what what is like i mean there's so many but from a coach's perspective i mean like i think a lot of peers have shared like yeah you know what what p has meant to to us but from a coach's perspective like what what do you think about
2: wow uh there's so like you said there's so many but I think clutch she's clutch, clutch you know she comes in when it really matters um and the interesting thing with Pino that I find really intriguing about her is she's never changed yeah so like I remember the first time I ever met her face to face she met us in western New York I would never met yeah and she comes into the hotel and obviously she knew some of the players you know she's like she jumps on them uh-huh. hugs them wraps her legs around them and <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm like <laughs> and then today she would do no different. she'd be exactly the same yeah right yeah um and I think one of the things about her on the field is her level of understanding of what needs to happen for her to have success mm-hmm. is one thing. Yeah. But what needs to happen for the team to get some success, I think has been a real evolution for her. Yeah. I and love that. I think as she hasn't been able to play as much as maybe she wants to, mm-hmm. understanding that has become even more. And I think one of the things that I love about her is she's so proud of the way at club level we try and play. Yeah. She's so proud of it and so like yeah, wants that to stay no matter what, right? Yeah. and she's
0: always like, "This is this is what how we play. This is what we do." and yeah. You're like, yes, <laughs> "Yeah,
2: exactly."
0: And you have a bunch of players like that. Yeah, that it's,
2: it's yeah, and it's probably why it's they've been able to play together for as long as they have because yeah. they have that respect about them,
0: and obviously she's just crazy. She's it's, not. It's, in it's, in it's and possible. it's hard to and not put. Cookie, it's yeah. hard to not put her in. Like when I see Alex like in the box, and you know we talk about like a little bit of, of frustration that she could, she could have in in this kind of system and the way that the U.S. is playing. Um, I just like w- I say it all the time. I'm like, if Pina was in, that's a goal. Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, if Pina was in, is a goal cool? because she, she gets two crosses, hundred percent. And I I do think
2: that she's one of those players that, and obviously if, like her coached at club too, yeah. That in the biggest moment when it really matters, you truly believe she's going to turn up. So it just wouldn't shock me if she sets this thing alight. And she might set it alight by playing 30 minutes every game, coming on and scoring the penalty that matters or taking the corner that matters or whipping three crosses in that matter. You know, I think she just has an ability of doing the craziest things in the craziest moments in the only way that she can. Totally. You know, and I think... um, yeah, she's one of the most tan- talented players I've ever coached. Mm-hmm. Um and does some of the does things on the field where I go how and why did you ever think about doing that? Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. And how and why did you ever think about doing that? That was shocking.
0: There was a special time that we came back from the UK mm-hmm. that you had the opportunity of training um, Chris and I individually to mm-hmm. get us prepped. Uh, well, together. Just well, t- us. Together. Yeah. Just yeah. us here in LA um, to get us prepped. We had never worked together at that yep. point. Do you have any... Um, What were we like? What were we like to you? (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) And this is like a raw, unfiltered, honest show. Yeah. Well, I
2: worked out pretty quick that I needed to turn up an hour later than what you guys turned (laughs) up because you didn't need me for the first bit. Um, I think one of the things that I've always loved about Kristen is that she takes finishing Mm. so seriously and wants to do it a very specific way but it replicates to what happens in a game yes um and it's always got to be even oh and yeah she's always if things oh, don't go yeah. out she'll always drive you nuts. she'll always reset um, <laughs> and I think that that was a really interesting time, and I didn't really see that in Utah. I saw it a little bit, but in a team environment, you don't get to see it. But when you see someone every day doing it, that was amazing. And it was interesting about Tobin was I'd come up with all these elaborate passing things. <laughs> let's do this passing thing. Let's do this passing thing. Let's and this moves here, and, and she'd just go, "No, I just want two cones." Pass A to B. It's my favorite thing. Oh, okay, great. That's the easiest thing I've ever had to do. Cool.
1: Keeps it simple, this one. Yeah,
2: and effective, right? Like the most effective thing. And I'd be sitting at home coming up with all these crazy things and I'd get to you too. We were like, this is exactly how we're doing this one. And you knew exactly what you wanted and I was just there to facilitate. And I actually laugh with coaches sometimes and go, when you think that it's about you, you've got this all wrong. It's never about... Who, What you want, it's always about what the players need.
1: Well, I will say there are very few people we would want to come into our training environment. We we take it very seriously. We've done it for a long time. And we both feel like we know exactly what we need. And I remember even after the first few days, I was like, Tobin, I told you Lauren was going to be great. Because... (laughs) You had to put up with a lot of my neurosis of like <laughs> this is exactly how it is, and Tobin's like the building blocks, like keep it simple, you know. And um, you you navigated that so well, and you were so additive, um, and, it, and and it, we were not easy to deal with.
0: And people. she navigated the the one v one battles too, which is oh so Lordy,
1: we don't need to talk about that <laughs> today. <laughs> Maybe
0: next time. <laughs> Anyways, Laura, so thank you so much. This thank has been you. phenomenal. You know thank that you that, me. that not only are you loved by. So many, but you're loved by us as well. And you're a phenomenal coach, and I love watching you win. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. As you're starting to get the hang of, we like to end each show by looking ahead to one upcoming match that I'm excited to watch. And this week, it's USA versus the Netherlands. This is kind of the group stage game that I feel, as us as U.S. Women's National Team fans, we are most looking forward to. And I think it's going to really determine what the US Miss national team actually looks like. We have a team that is not yet defined. Um, and I don't mean that in a way that's necessarily bad. I think I mean it in a way that us fans don't really know what to expect. And this game certainly will kind of set, I think, the bar for our expectations this tournament. The Netherlands, look, they're a good opponent. I think there's only one time that the Netherlands ever beat the US Ash team and it was back in um, 1991. If I was to predict this score, I would go with the US Women's Nash Team winning on a very fine margin, probably two to one. We'll see if I was right on the next episode. Thanks for watching. The Recap Show is a
1: re-ink original series produced in partnership with HeadGum Studios. The show is executive produced by Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, Shane Romani, and Jamie
0: Friedman. For HeadGum Studios, the recap show is brought to life by Supervising Producer Katie Moose, Showrunner Billy Scafiri, Creative Producer Tara Aquino, Associate Producer Ali Khan, Director of Photography Nate Cornett, Video Engineer and Editor Rochelle Chen, Production Sound Mixer Destiny Ferrant,
1: Production Designer Motion Graphics Eddie Ramos, Production Designer Elaine Carey, Production assistants, Lauren Strummel, Olivia Reiner, and Jasmine Wasserman. Hair, Ramon Garcia, and John Jamar IV. Stylist, Sarah Borgesi. Makeup, Steven Molesky.
0: The first season of the recap show wouldn't be possible without the support of our incredible sponsors, including UFOS, Ally, UKG, and Tequila Comos. Thank you.
1: RE-INC was founded in 2019 by USWNT champions Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Megan Klingenberg, and Megan Rapinoe with the mission to make the world a more inclusive and equitable place for all.
0: A brand that lives at the intersection of sports, progress, and equity. We offer eco-conscious, gender-free fashion, creative goods, a membership that invites anyone to join in the pursuit of boldly reimagining our world. And with the creation of
1: the Recap Show, we are launching a new content division to change the way women are seen and experienced in sports. Thank you for tuning in.